Hello and welcome to the Science of Footy podcast. As always, you're back here with your host Liam and Bill, uh, back on a Friday night this week to talk a bit of Supercoach, so a bit of a late pod. How are you, Bill? Yeah, pretty good. Really looking forward to this Friday night game. Uh, love watching North on the Friday nights and ready to watch Sydney stack tear it up, I think. Yeah, very nice. So we'll get in just a little bit into our scores from last week, but focus mainly on the week at hand because it is pretty late. But we both scored pretty highly last week. You pipped me by three points, I think, Bill, at the 2307 with me the 2304. But the Supercoach model team that we picked with our algorithm actually beat the both of us, went 2370 this week. Yeah, huge score. Like, so 2300 roughly for both of us. That only puts us in the top 10%. Uh, for this week so obviously a lot of huge scores i think i read that the weekly winner was somewhere close to almost 2700 yeah like a massive week for scoring some scores didn't go the way we thought we both traded in robbie young a little bit earlier who put a 17 i had him on field definitely i don't know if you did uh no not on field thankfully but still pretty disappointing i think he's in about 20 or 30 percent of teams just on that one, for people who didn't go a week early on him, does that 17 sort of turn you off if you're looking for a downgrade this week that is, you know, scoring isn't as good as we first thought? Or, you know, is, it, is he still someone that someone that people out there can look for? It's, it's pretty tough because there's not a lot of options in the forward line. So I wouldn't necessarily write him off based off that game. I, I was pretty surprised yeah. he held his spot and the fact that he was still named is probably a pretty good sign. What do you think, Liam? You'd probably know a bit more about him being a Saints man. Yeah, I think that out of the options as a rookie, he's obviously earned enough respect to keep his spot after a five-touch game, so that's got to be good signs. I think that I wouldn't be moving heaven and earth to get him, but in terms of um, whether I need a downgrade in the forward line, I think he's probably the best option there. I did see a lot of people this week also be trading out Dersma to do some of their upgrades in the midfield, and he put out a over the 100 score, so he looks like he'll continue to make a bit of cash for us. Yeah, plenty of cash in that back line. Dersma, uh, Marty Hoare as well. And then Lockhart now on the bench. I saw that he got dropped this week. That's a bit disappointing. Probably caps him off at 260, unfortunately. And what about your trades from last week? Myself, I sent in uh, James Sicily into my squad. He put up a 91, so it's about average. Um, how did your trade-in targets work out? Yeah, just looking at my team now to try to figure out what trade I did. I think it was bringing in uh, the Thigh King, Shen Hearn. Looks like he was the... Uh, the addition there and he put up 112 so pretty much par for him and you've got to be happy with that i think yeah trading out williams there who is uh now missing this week as well so i guess that's a good sign for me yeah we're seeing a lot of these players sort of carry over that we thought it was maybe one week but they're missing a few more i know we had teams drop yesterday and matt crouch was one that didn't make it back into the squad uh you were a bit worried about his injury and he's in a lot of teams and the fact that he's not been coming back for you know a couple of weeks now yeah, I mean, it's a bit worrying. Matty Crouch there thought it was going to be the one weaker, as you said. Now it's three and counting. But yeah, not too worried because, as you mentioned, he is in a lot of teams. Um, I would imagine most teams uh, who are near the top got Matty Crouch. But I'm more worried about his brother Brad there. He's put out another 80 for me. It's pretty disappointing. Yeah, he did that off like something crazy. Like, was it 38 touches for like uh, whatever you said, 70, 80 points? Yeah, I think he's, he's just going to peak. Um, with one round late in the year where he probably gets more touches than points somehow. <laughs> I did hit, I did see all the stats from those um, 
Brad Crouch, the super coach, um, sort of possessions. And it seemed like what he was doing was he was getting a lot of link up balls. So his, you know, contested possessions weren't that high. And his, you know, possession kick rate was really low by foot. So he wasn't hitting the targets. So he literally had, I think it was 15 kicks or 14 kicks out of those possessions that were literally worth zero points because he didn't get any points for the loose ball or hard ball get and he butchered the kicks. So he actually ended up with, you know, nearly 15 possessions there, which were actually probably worth negative points. So you don't see that very often. But yeah, definitely people who have Brad Crouch in the team certainly have to know at this stage that he's got to be traded up at some point for your final team, would you say? Yeah, I think so. It looks that way. I'm still hoping that he'll, you know, come out busting out those 120s that I was hoping for, but um, doesn't seem like it. So still probably going to leave him there, um, you know, technically a premium. So leave him probably last upgrade if it's a luxury. Although my trades are running pretty low, so not sure we'll get there. Now, Bill, do you want to go on a bit of a rant now at the coaches? Because we had a lot of these rookies that we were looking at dropped last week, and we had it again this week where we saw no hinge, which everyone had locked in for a downgrade. We also saw Darcy Fort move out of that team for anyone who wanted to downgrade Rob. This week to him, we seem to see a lot of these options being dropped, and we're left with no one, Bill. What are the coaches doing to us? Yeah, I can't really rant against... uh... Lord and Saviour, Chris Fagan. So we'll just probably leave that one be. Um, bit disappointing, obviously, from a super coach perspective. Um, Hinge putting up some good scores there. Thought he was going to be a lock, but um, watching that last quarter against Freo, he lost a few one on one contests. So, um, yeah, one of those disconnects, I guess, between your super coach score and your actually how you performed um, as, you know, an AFL football player. So uh, we'd probably see him again at some point, but yeah, it does scuttle some of the trade plans there. I know that. At one point, I think he was over 20% ownership already before the uh, before the teams dropped. So no doubt that's going to come down significantly. Another player I want to touch on from the weekend's games is someone who's in my team, Todd Goldstein, put out a big 140 and um, really looks to continue a bit of price rise, at least for the moment. Comes up against Richmond, whose main ruckman in Nankervis is still out this week. Potentially coaches who have Goldstein and are looking to jump to Gorn this price um, rise and this scoring output has sort of come at the right time for coaches because they can ride this price jump for, you know, two weeks into the buys and probably have the opportune time to jump over to a Gorn. Yeah, I think it's going to work out perfectly there. Um, Goldie putting up those big scores, expect another big one tonight, as you mentioned, and yeah, he'll get that cash boost, ride him straight to Gorn. Um, it's a good good spot to be in. Um, if you're one of the rare coaches like me who's running Riley O'Brien on the field, um, you'd be a bit worried, I think. He's, he's not scoring hasn't dried up necessarily, but his cash generation has, has dried up a little bit. So now I'm trying to scramble and find that 250k gap to get to Max Gorn. So we might do something a little different in this week's pod before we get to the rookies and the trading targets and the captains like we do every week. We might just do a bit of back and forth where maybe I'll throw a player at you and a bit of a conversation topic about them and we'll talk a bit about that player and then you can sort of throw one my way and I'll start off with one player who I traded into my team which is Basha Huli who's really been going amazing in the back line there is I, I traded him in down in the 400Ks, down at about 440, and he's now up over 500K. 142 in his system from last week puts him at a 56 break even and is projected to be 580K in three weeks' time. Yeah, perfect. Um, you got the options there. You can either ride him to whoever you want, like a Shannon Hearn, or, or just keep him. Pretty sure he's a top six defender at the moment. Um, Obviously, we've got Jaden Short coming back at some point, potentially curtailing his scores, but he's in really good form. He's just getting all those cheap link balls. Uh, when I watch Richmond play, 
Um, yeah, he's just getting the ball. He gets it. He gives it. He gets it again. He gives it again. He gets it. So um, it's frustrating to watch when you don't have him in the team. Yeah, I actually love watching him. He, he runs so hard just to get around the side of a player to get a little one-two handball or runs super hard to just get like a little cheap sideways kick. And it's just perfect for super coach. It's exactly what you want when you own him. And he's just, yeah, just racking up the ball like there's no tomorrow. As you said, he's the fourth highest averaging defender now for the season. So he's behind those big threes. He's really putting up fantastic numbers. And over the last five rounds, he's actually 16th overall in the comp for average. So that's above, you know, your McCrae's and your big time midfielders. He's actually over the last five weeks putting out fantastic, huge scores. Do you think this is sustainable though? We've seen over his career, pretty much over 2010 to 2017, he was always between that 83 and 96 average. So sitting there in your high 80s, low 90s, sort of an average. Do you think he can hold this big, you know, 105 plus for the year? Not really sure whether he'll hold the entire year. I mean, it's obviously a big task to, to keep that 105 average as a defender an entire year. And as we mentioned, we've got Jaden Short coming back into the side potentially. Um, impacting him with the kickouts and that runoff halfback splitting that role but does look like we're going to get you know a good at least 95 average out of him from here to come I think and that would probably lock him into a top six spot so anyone who's brought him in now at a cheaper price is going to be laughing I think. I think the main concern with this Hooli trade-in is the fact that he's already missed games this year and he's a bit injury-prone. So his last three seasons, he's sort of played, you know, 13, 18, 12 games. Did play 22 the two seasons before that, but he is known to miss a few games. So if you're somebody who's worried about that, making sure that their players are on the park every week, he could be a bit of a risky choice. But we really are seeing a different Tigers outfit this year with some players like Hooley and we've seen you know, some other players actually score these big 140-type scores in games, whereas previous seasons you sort of saw these Tigers all score that similar amount, none of them really being super coach relevant. But it seems like this year they're sort of playing a bit of a different style which allows some of these players to get those really huge games, which is really why the average of Hooley is so high. Definitely one that's, that's paid off so far. I'll, I'll throw another name back at you. Um, also a defender, but you know, a bit of a different tack here going the key position. Been in my side pretty much the whole year and uh, hopefully started to come good in Harris Andrews. Um, so a bit of a background for people. He had a pretty good season last year. It was averaging uh, 96, I think it was, until he got flatlined by Jeremy Cameron. Um, so I think 96 was putting him on track to be a top six defender. Uh, maybe not quite, but close enough. And then this year came out looking pretty good. Uh, unfortunately, had a few injuries here and there. And then recently back into the side, got a bit of form up last week, kept uh, Jesse Hogan kickless and put up 118 himself with 10 marks, a lot of intercepts there and contested marks. So hoping he can come into good form. Uh, Liam, what do you think, Harris Andrews? Yeah, very interesting sort of a pick there because of his price i think that's the main thing going for harris andrews at the moment all the way down to i think it's 420k at the moment so that's quite cheap and when we're in a position this year where we're finding it hard to get those big upgrades to your six hundred thousand dollar defenders someone like andrews could be a good choice if you're struggling for money because as you said he's got a lot of form this year with pretty good scores he's got that 140 score in his system but apart from that it's all you know you know you're 60 and then you're 100 and then you're 80 and then you're 110 sort of a scoring so he has proven that he can put out the big scores it's just 
whether that's enough to get that, you know, 70 or 80 and then the 110 this year if that you know 90s average that he might end up at the end of the year will put him close enough to that top six where he could be a good choice or whether this year we're going to have all these players like your Whitfield and potentially your you know Lloyds and Hearns averaging so high that there's too many options that it sort of has him five or ten points below where some of these other players are in terms of a pick I think it's quite an interesting one in terms of the price to potential payoff going at the moment yeah, I think it's all about that price. As you mentioned, you can get him quite cheap um, at the moment. And then I've just pulled up his stats from last year here and looking at a stretch of games he had. He went 101, 130, 82, 80, 107, 115, 91, 102, 152. And then uh, that 22 where he went off in the first quarter um, crunched by Jeremy Cameron. So he's shown that he can, uh, for a key position player especially, he can consistently score that ton, which I think you really need to be close to that top six so a bit unique in that regard and yeah i've been carrying him all year unfortunately injury plagued season so far so hoping he can come good at this stage he's definitely a super coach relevant player i mean just looking at his afl fantasy points versus his super coach here there's just a really high difference you know you're talking about last week he scored a 118 super coach in the 74 fantasy so there clearly is scoring in the super coach game that suits him potentially you know those intercepts and those spoils being worth more points here in the super coach game which is obviously where he's getting his scoring so he is somebody that does have a super coach friendly game style with the current scoring system at least All right, I'll throw another one back at you, Bill. I've heard a bit of chatter this week from a few different people about trading in a certain player, which, you know, it pricked my ears up a bit. Chris Main in the midfield. I've seen a few people trading him in, sitting there at 350k. First reactions to that sort of a trade? Yeah, I mean, we sort of discussed this one um, off air because it's just sort of not the kind of name that you associate with with Supercoach, you know, oh, I'm going to bring Chris Main into my side. It's not, um, doesn't sound ideal, but it's a really interesting one at the moment. As you mentioned, only 350, and then you, you pull up his scores and take a look um, for this year. So 84, 130, 87, and he's gone off injured. And then I, I tend to get rid of the first game back for players because they're a bit rusty. That was a 44, but take that one out. And then he's gone 86, 124. So <laughs> he's put up some absolutely ridiculous scores. I'm not sure how he's doing it. And yeah, break even of negative two, so potentially also a cash cow. Um, I'd be wearing myself. How about you? Yeah, I think it's quite interesting. And the reason is that you look at this price raise and it can easily get you from that 350 to a 550 and that sort of a 550 price. I mean, sorry, from a 350 to a 450 plus. And that's sort of the area where you can begin to leapfrog up to these, you know, actual premiums that you want. And I think that really the main question around this Chris Main sort of a trade is because this year we don't really have the cash generation at this time like we normally do. We've got a lot of rookies on our bench who aren't making any cash. We've got no real downgrade options from those rookies. Should we start looking at these sort of options to make money, sort of, you know, a sideways trade to a main who can then get you that 100K, which is the same as a downgrade trade? Should we be looking at these sort of sideway hops like we normally don't recommend because it's probably safer to trade down to another rookie for that 100K? But this year, if we don't have any rookies, should we be looking for these little side hops to players who can then continue to rise from the price point that our rookies have maxed out at? Yeah, I think it's a valid strategy. Um Maybe not, you know, if, if you're entrenched in that top 1K or something, you'd probably just play it safe and 
and try your luck with a, a little bit of a point of difference who's still sort of a recognized premium, maybe, I don't know, just a name like Elliot Year or someone who we know they're a quality premium, but maybe they're not in every single side. Um, if you're a little way back, then yeah, I sort of like these picks and <clears throat> I'll throw another one back at you. Um, Matty Broadbent sitting there at $295,000. Uh, he's come back recently, three games, uh, the last two, an 80 and a 99, negative three break even. Um, and has put up an average of about 85 for the last couple of seasons. So similar sort of price here, I think $295,000 might see him get all the way up to 450 perhaps. Yeah, very interesting player, Matty Broadbent, because, well, he was always sort of that 80 scoring player, which sort of didn't really make him that relevant in regular, but he was always that super coach player where you were quite happy to have him in your in your back line there, just pumping out the 80s, and you were like, yeah, Matty Broadband's pretty consistent for me, pretty good super coach draft sort of a player. But then he sort of fell off the face of the earth last year, and this year I didn't even think that he'd get back into that side with, you know, the players like Burton and Bonner, you know, running off that half back line, they seem to have a lot of players put Adelaide. But he's been able to come back into the side now and put together a couple of good scores, um, which makes me, again, I'm a bit wary about whether he can hold his sort of spot all year when we've got these other players there. But, you know, an 80 and a 99 off those two games means that he's got a really solid foundation for that sort of price bump. The other thing to think about with a broadband at the moment is Port obviously have that first buy. So if you want to take a chance on broadband now, you have him for one week on, one week off. Maybe you want to see another game from him. It might cost you a little bit of money there, getting him up above the 300k. But I think it's almost worth it if you can wait till after his buy to make that sort of a jump if you have to, if you're in a lot of trouble with your buy structures and need another player and don't have that many trades and you know, you've know you got a lot of work to do. Maybe a little side hop from a rookie onto a broadbent just over 300k after his buy could work. It depends sort of what's around at the time. So speaking of the buys there, I'll throw a name out here that uh, I'm pretty sure he's going to be my trade in this week, Caleb Daniel in the forward line. Um, as you mentioned, has that first buy similar to Broadbent. Um, so I'll only get the week out of him before the buy, but you you might find yourself in the position that I'm in where I've had a look at my buy structures. I'm, I'm very much set for the first week. Um, I'll be fine. I've got like, you know, over 20 players or something. So I'm happy to trade someone in now, get the week have them out for that first buy and then have them in the next two weeks where I've got a few less players. Um, so also something to keep in mind if you have one buy week where you're already stocked up on players, maybe bring in someone, a premium from that week. Yeah, I think Daniel's a very interesting choice because of his scoring and sort of we've seen him go mostly over the 100s and 90s, a couple of 70s in there. Um, I would be interested to have a look at a bit of a stat. Um, I'll try and pull up Merston Bulldogs games and see how he's been scoring at the uh, new Marvel Stadium um, because I know that the Dogs have a lot of Marvel games coming up. I think of the next like six or seven games, they're playing almost every game at Marvel. So have you seen him play a bit different at different grounds? Does he like playing there under the roof? Let's have a look. I'm pulling it up now. Um... Ooh, doesn't have home games here. So he's put up two 70s, as you mentioned. Those games were a loss to the Cats uh, and a win against the Lions. Now, the win against the Lions, that was in Bendigo or Ballarat, sorry. And the loss against the Cats, I believe that was an away game. So, yep, 
that was an away game, so that would have been down in the Cattery. Yeah, it looks like they started the season at home, so um, I'm pretty sure his home games this year were a 104, a 96, a 100, a 113, um, and against the Kangaroos, a 106 as well. So he really does like playing there, and it does seem like they've got a nice favorable draw being at their home ground for a long period of time. So I can definitely see him keeping up those 100-style scores and racking up the pill there uh, in the back line, which he seems to really have adapted to as his role. So I recommend for people who are looking to trade in players like Daniel, take a bit of a look at these sort of things, whether he does like playing at a certain you know ground or something like that, because when you see teams like the Bulldogs having that home run for a long period of time these players can really get in a good groove and a good sort of position and they can sort of um, you know just rebound the way that they um, are used to from previous weeks and I think Daniel really will um, sort of raise in price over the next few weeks due to that favorable draw. So Daniel is my trade-in target this week so perhaps we could talk some trades Liam or do you have one extra player for us here? I'll throw one more player at you. I'll uh, just take a quick list uh, look at the list here. I think the one player I want to throw back at you is one that surprised me a bit when I was looking at the averages. The eighth highest averaging mi- midfielder at the moment is Mitch Duncan. He's sitting there with a 112 average on the year, uh, putting in 1.4% of teams. So he's pretty much owned by no one, especially if you're up there at the top, and he's just doing it consistently. His last five weeks are a 116, a 126, a 124, a 144, and a 123. So that makes him second best in the comp behind Josh Kelly over that time. Is Mitch Duncan someone we need to give a little bit more love to? Yeah, he's been huge. Um, sort of goes under the radar there, obviously, with you know Dangerfield, um, Kelly, Ablett, Selwood, etc. At the, at the Cats. And I mean, he's been doing it for years now, really, looking at his last couple of seasons, a 109 average, 106, and then that 112 this year. So it's not super out of the blue or anything but yeah it does look like he's potentially taken an, another step up as well and um, just looking at his price I see that at one stage even though he was scoring quite well he dropped all the way down to 520,000 so if you got on then you'd be pretty happy Um, I think we'll see him over 600 or he's over 600 right now sorry and we'll see him keep on rising to 620 odd so he's almost unobtainable at this point one we might have to look at for trade-ins later in the year, but as you said, we might as well talk about some trade-in targets now. Um, starting with the rookies, as I said, there was not a lot of trade-out options this week. Um, if we're trading in people, is there any options out there for the people at home that you quite like? No, um, <laughs> there is not. So yeah, I had all my um, marbles in the hinge basket there and uh, obviously didn't pay off. So now looking at the other options... Uh, I think a lot of people went early on Young, and if they didn't, now they're not really uh, looking at him too highly with that 17, so uh, I have him on my side, so that rules out Young. Uh, you mentioned Fort dropped. Um, doesn't really leave a lot, so Oscar Baker is the one that I think I'm looking at going down to. Uh, don't really like the pick. We had this discussion off the air. Um, I wasn't a fan. I told you to try and convince me, and it seems like you have managed to do that, so maybe you could try and convince our viewers. Yeah, I think I quite like the Oscar Baker pick for a number of reasons. First of all, we were talking about how he scored a 57, but from watching the game, you know, he had 16 touches, five marks, two goals. I thought, man, he was a bit stiff to only get a 57 from that game. And I looked through the stats and they versed GWS this week, which, you know, they really put them to the sword GWS. And I looked at the Giants scoring and they had 13 players score above the 80 in Supercoach. 
So all of these points, because Supercoach maxed out the amount of points possible in a game, all of these points were going to the Giants players. There were only four Demons that got over the 80 mark. So maybe in a different game where the Demons don't get belted as hard, you know, that 57 might push up towards a, a 70 or an 80 there from the same sort of a stat line. So I think his performance last weekend was actually a lot better than his Supercoach score suggested. And sort of his position on field, named on the wing this week, sort of reflects that as well, that the coaches really liked how he was playing and really see him as somebody who can, as long as he's playing in that same way, maintain his spot on the side. So I think, yeah, what you said about maintaining his spot is going to be quite important now. Um, a lot of people probably running a bench similar to what we have, I guess. Um, at the moment, I'm running Scott, Stocker, and now Baker in the midfield on the bench. Um, doesn't really inspire a lot of confidence. So obviously, Scott not playing. Um, and yeah, Stocker and Baker really on the knife's edge there. I think they could be out any week. So it's going to be about keeping your spot, finding rookies who are going to get games. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I'm in a very similar boat. And this week I was somebody who had Matt Crouch not come back and someone with Rockcliffe not play. So my bench was full with Crouch and Rockcliffe and Scott, who I still have. And I also had Will Hayes, who also isn't named. So I had to make that trade, which I'm going to do this week, of Will Hayes to Baker as just to get a fresh body on field, Bill, I need anyone with blood pumping through the veins who has been picked, and Oscar Baker was my man, so I'm hoping very highly that he can keep his spot in the team and put out a good score this week, because I'm having to field him because of these Rocky and Matt Crouch injuries. I've decided not to trade them out just because I can still see them scoring highly for the rest of the year, and you know I've got a bit of other things that I need to swap around, so yeah, Oscar Baker is going to be my downgrade for this week, but for people who don't like him, I think we should mentioned Brett Bewley's one we've had our eye on who did debut last weekend yeah I mean you could go early on Bewley he he put up I think about 30 in the first half um then got a bit quieter from there uh he was named again so that's obviously a plus um not sure whether I'd go early on him over Baker he's also got his buy coming right up so you're not really going to get weeks out of him um immediately um, you can delay, obviously, then jumping him in for a further two weeks now before his price rise. So he's an option, I guess, if you if you really don't like that Baker pick and if you think he might get dropped soon, then maybe Bill is the option. Um, not really too sure how his job security is either though over there um, with, with Ross, the, Ross the boss. Uh, it's hard to say. So trade-in targets from the week. Um, if people don't have Lloyd and Whitfield, this is probably a great week for people to jump on those two. Lloyd is set to raise 11k from his current price and Whitfield 31k. So really, if you've been trying to get Whitfield in the team, this is the week to get him because his price is about to skyrocket all the way back up. Um, yeah, Do you have any particular trade-in targets that you saw this week or either of those two who you think are really great trade-in targets for the people at home? Yeah, I think this is the week for Lloyd, if you don't have him. Um, he was my target this week. I was, I was looking to get him in. Um, didn't really quite work out. Now with Durst, we're putting up that big score. I would have to sacrifice the cash that he's going to make, so I've decided instead to complete the forward line with Caleb Daniel. Um, that gives me about 100k uh, buffer so that next week I'll be able to bring in Lloyd, hopefully regardless of what score he puts up. So I think it's the week for Lloyd if you don't have him. Otherwise, uh, potentially keeping an eye, I think, on Lockie Neal. Uh, not necessarily this week, but he's just put up a 79. And when you're priced at 620, putting up a 79 is going to see you drop for quite a while, I think. 
Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think Lloyd is someone that everyone should be looking to get in their team. I'll sort of go against you on that, though. I think Whitfield is the trading target of the week just because he's coming up against Gold Coast. I can see him putting a 200 on the board, which would be horrible if you're waiting to get him in, and he actually jumps 50k because he scores huge. And um, along with that Neil name in the midfield, if you're looking for a midfield upgrade, Cripps is also on the drop. He's down to 570 with that 60 in his system for one more week. So keep an eye on Paddy Cripps as well as Travis Boak in the forward line. He's down at 515, and I think he'll drop again to under 500k this week. So if you're looking for a forward or a mid-upgrade, there's lots of good sort of players in the next few weeks. So maybe look at your backline this week for upgrades if you need to. Just quick, I think I want to throw a shout-out to uh, Josh Kelly, who's pretty much saved my season here, I think. Uh, he's just putting up them huge numbers, and I'm looking at his fixture coming up as well. He's got Gold Coast, Crows, North, Essendon, Brisbane. You know, you could see Giants putting a lot of those teams to the sword as well, so hoping those good times keep rolling, and yeah, shout out to Josh Kelly for hopefully saving my year. Yeah, I think that's a great call. I wish I had Kelly in my team. Um, with my trades this week, I actually don't have a lot of options. As I said, I've had to go Hayes down to Baker to field a full midfield. So I've only got 80k to play with, and it really hasn't given me enough space to upgrade to anyone that I want to get to, um, which has made things a bit confusing. And really looking at my team, the position I really need to address is Petricelli, who I really want to get to Boak. And I'm not really seeing a way that I can get there, even if I, you know, have that money in the bank and down up. I still might not be able to make it to Boak after his buy, um, sitting there at just under 400k. Petrocelli set to lose money. So I've gotten a bit creative, Bill, and I think the trade I'm going to make is a bit of a sideways one from Petrocelli with 50k from the bank to go to Josh Kennedy from his teammate um, from the Eagles, um, hoping that he can put a bit of a big score against the Dogs with this week and raise me a little bit of money, making him my stepping stone to Boak. What do you make of that trade? bold um and i like bold so that's good um yeah it could be a real uh, defining moment for the season there obviously if these sort of trades pay off you, you jump a bit ahead of the pack there so he's priced at three hundred thirty-eight thousand. um obviously quite cheap for josh kennedy we're used to seeing him up around 450 500 so i guess like you said the plan is for him to rise to about 450 500 yeah, I think not even that. I feel like if he can get me, you know, two weeks until the point where I can, you know, he's on the buy and I can swap over to Boak, if I can trade to him and he can make me, you know, 50k or something, it's not sort of the amount that you necessarily want for a trade. It's probably half of what we'd normally say. You want at least 100k for your trades. But if Petricelli is going to lose me a bit of money, then it's actually going to be worth a little bit more um, than that 50k. But I think that if that trade gets me to a position where I can get to the player I want in Boak, I'm sort of at the point where I've got some luxury trades and I can sort of use that. And it's also got the benefit of if he can put up two good weeks against the Dogs and the Swans, I might be looking at, you know, 80s or 90s from Kennedy instead of 30s and 40s from Petricelli. So it is a move to get a bit of quick points and quick cash, uh, which will allow me to make my trade later. But at the same point, we might see a blow up in my face and see Petricelli outscore Kennedy or something like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, it'll just be worth the trade, which, um, you know, you're going to have to have a bit of fun with the trades when you get to this point of the year and get a bit creative, I think. Yeah, and managed your team well. I think if you've got luxury trades uh, at round 11, um, I definitely do not. So... <laughs> Um, that's that's doing pretty well there, I think. 
we'll go to captains before we get out of here. I think everyone's going to have the VC on Grundy, aren't they? He's gone 141, 144, 165. Comes up against Lob in free mana, which isn't the most recognized Ruckman. Is the VC for you going to be on Grundy again? Yeah, I've actually saved myself some time. I've just put um, O'Brien onto the bench with the E, got Bynes on the field with the C, and got the VC on Grundy because... Every week I, I put Grundy on and then I end up choosing a captain who I don't use. So I've just uh, put it straight on to VC on Grundy, set up the uh, captain loophole, and if I need to later on, I'll pick a captain. Yep, fantastic. I think he's pretty much a lock there as it is. And I think that if anyone does need a captain, it's actually sort of quite interesting because my next two picks would be Kelly and Whitfield against Gold Coast, as I said, but they're playing at the same time. So if you're somebody who likes the Kelly or Whitfield pick over Grundy, you're going to have to make your choice um, of which one to take as the VC or C because they're playing at the same time. But if you want someone later, I think Cripps against Essendon or also Neil at home are fantastic options for the fans listening along. Yeah, I think so. I originally had it on Crips there um, against Essendon. just seems like a logical game for me. Um, also coming off at 116, whereas Neil coming off at 79, as we mentioned. So I think Paddy Crips if you need a captain option later in the week. And a final shout-out before we get out to the Supercoach model team, which currently only has Marty Hoare and Sam Walsh on the field as rookies, Bill. It'd be quite nice to have a setup like that. But yeah, after the buys, I think we might have another podcast talking about that you know, algorithm we use to pick the team and maybe a few ideas that we've had throughout the season watching it so far on how to improve it for next year and maybe fit in a bit of an algorithm for trades in there as well for this uh, model team. Yeah, it definitely needs some tweaks. I think it, its rank's not that good and, and partially our own fault. We've, we've missed points there with the rookies and captain choices. Um, I think we've let it cop a few donuts here and there just because we don't check it too often. But um, yeah, as you mentioned, it's got two rookies on the field, Walsh and Hoare, who are hardly rookies really. Um, and it's got like 20 trades or something left. So it's, it's just doing ridiculously well in that sense. Um, yeah, maybe you could even snag a weekly at some point later in the year. Who knows? All right, well, the footy is about to start, being the Friday night, so we might have to leave it there. Bill, what are you going to look forward to watching out there at the Friday night game? Yeah, Sydney Stack, I think. Um, just got a good feeling on tonight that Sydney Stack's going to pump out one of his uh, famous monthly hundreds and kickstart that cash generation once again. Yeah, for me, I think it would be uh, the Seagull Batter Hooley just floating around the back and getting the cheap one-two. Hopefully, we can watch him give the one-two with Sydney Stack tonight, and we'll both be up and about from that. I hope everyone has a good Supercoach weekend, and we'll catch you next week on the Science of Footy podcast. <laughs> <laughs>